You are the brave, red pioneers of Mars. You do what we could not do. You suffer so that others will flourish. Always remember that obedience is the highest virtue. Investigators are focusing in on terrorist group the Sons of Ares, who's believed to be behind the bombing that claimed the lives of an entire mining crew and technician group yesterday. With winter well on the way, the drafters have a new favorite emerging. Darrow Al Andromedus and fellow House Dranks, the Howlers, led a punishing assault on Pat Al Telemannus and House Minerva today. We'll break it all down for you, coming up next. You're of use because you're more than a weapon. When your wife died, she didn't just give you a vendetta. She gave you her dream. You're its keeper. Welcome to Hail Reaper. Hey everyone, welcome to episode three of Hail Reaper. My name is Philip, and I'm with my good friend Jeremy. Good afternoon. Hey man, how's it going? Um, we're gonna be going ahead, and we're doing uh, an episode all about Dancer, which is my favorite character from the first twenty-ish or twenty-so chapters of the book. I know that you have another character you like a lot, but you you're a big Dancer guy, yeah? He's rad. Yeah, yeah. it's a, it's a character. I, I I really look up to the character. I really feel like the story needs the character to a certain point. Like a lot of what we see, a lot of what we encounter is we see characters that are kind of flimsy or maybe even flawed and like, and they just need, like Daryl, for example, he needs that guiding hand. He needs that purpose. And he's just went through that tragedy of losing EO. And now we have this kind of character enter and just able to guide him and to kind of point him with the direction he's to go. But like kind of putting that all aside, I want to start in a little like funnier spot. Okay. And it's just something completely subjective. It doesn't matter or make any difference to the story. But you and I have had this conversation. I thought it'd be fun to record it. Um, is Darrow, or excuse me, is Dancer, it's the Ds, we're going to be mixing that up a lot. I always do that. But is Dancer a terrorist, or in his own words, is he an empire breaker? What do you think? Yeah, for me, I think Dancer and the Sons of Ares are terrorists. I, I think empire breaker, it, it's, a, it's something that's earned, you know? And if you can look back at, like, the American colonists, you know, Boston Tea Party kind of thing, mm -hmm. you know, that's a terror act you know they're going in they're destroying financial infrastructure they're causing fear now obviously the revolution worked right and the american colonists got their own country yeah. so that is looked on and kind of highly revered it's kind of it's looked on very positively now <laughs> when at the time it was it was not a good thing and um i, I think it kind of the same thing you know these guys are are kind of running around they're bombing things and, and picking targets and um yeah i just I, I think they're terrorists so this is where we differ this is like where the conversation gets like you know iffy for us on this because i don't know if they're bombing and i kind of don't believe they are to an extent because the only time we learn that they're bombing is on the hc and lycos in the first couple chapters of the book and but i know the hc as a reader i know the hc to be a place of just um fake news i guess in a sense you know the only other impression we get from the HC is Octavia Alun, the sovereign, coming on and, and lying to the Reds, you know, saying you're the brave pioneers of Mars and that your you know, obedience is the highest virtue and all that kind of dribble that she says that is totally false. And I'm kind of thinking, you know, like, what else are they putting on this thing? And I can't imagine that they're putting things that are just factual on it because like the whole 
the whole idea of that TV, that big TV essentially is what it is, being down in the minds of Lycos is to have a level of control of the people they're oppressing. So the we know the Sons of Aries to be a red group. And so making them kind of like, so making other reds hate them kind of helps their cause and kind of makes their disharmony within red and red. So that's why I don't believe that they're terrorists because I don't think they're doing, I just don't think they're doing terrorists. We interrupt this broadcast to bring you breaking news with Delphine Nova. Investigators are focusing in on terrorist group the Sun Sons of Aries, who's believed to be behind the bombing that claimed the lives of an entire mining crew and technician group yesterday. Police and military have been working through the night to remove rubble and recover the victims' bodies. Authorities released a statement confirming they have two suspects in custody and assure us these tribal murderers will be brought to justice. Yeah, I think there's definitely an angle when it comes to the HC. Um, I think it's hyperbole. I, I definitely don't see Dancer, you know, in the streets gunning down women and children. Because that's what the HC would make you believe, like they're bombing people and killing civilians and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I don't think it's a civilian target kind of kind of bombing. I, I do think they're bombing. I, I think they're choosing infrastructure, waterworks, electrical grids, things of, of that nature that would, would damage and, and cause harm. Um, but I, I also think it, it's kind of a essential thing. I mean, they must be doing this because without that, there would be no notoriety mm-hmm. within within the greater society. Everyone knows what the Sons of Aries is. It it's viewed as a terrorist organization, and society is not a place for you know civil discourse. You don't you don't just go out and and debate the uh, the not sovereign. in this world. No way. Yeah. No, Octavia Alun's not interested in your opinion. Like you wouldn't make it, especially as a red. Yeah. Like, they don't want to hear it. So. I don't think they'd be known if they weren't doing something violent in in some sort of nature, but then, you know, if we if we look at uh, kind of their their trip to the Carver, mm-hmm. um, you know, Harmony shows up with a bomb strapped to her, and she's <laughs> twirling the detonator in her fingers yeah. and playing around with it, and Dancer's standing right there, and, and they're completely comfortable with that situation. So, yeah. I, I think they are using real bombs. Point taken. I mean, yeah, because they have obviously they have access to it. That's what it's showing. If, you know, Harmony has access to a bomb. So, and then, and then you have Dancer like kind of nonchalantly like, yeah, we have a bomb, like no big deal. So I don't know. I'm still, I'm going to hold fast to the belief that I think the Dancer <laughs> is uh, too righteous for that. And I know that you're going to go ahead and you're going to take the counter opinion, but I thought it was interesting because I want to hear what other people would have to say. So like message us or email us what you guys think on that. Well, I've got a couple of call outs and I want to specifically focus on Dancer since he's the primary target of the episode. Um, he does a couple things to the story that are really interesting to me that I find that I really make me love the character even more. But one is for Darrow. Like he is essentially a guide for Darrow. He speaks directly internally to the story in such a great way. He gives Darrow the tools that he needs and he gives them, and they're, they're so necessary at that point because Darrow, you know, he just lost his wife. He's waking up thinking he was dead too. And he's also waking up like, where am I? Why am I still alive? And having all these questions, he's just really wrestling with his, I think he's just wrestling with his humanity at that point. And then he's taken by a group of people and he doesn't know what's what. I would, I wouldn't, I don't know if you would, kind of like up from down at that point. And then he gives him this knowledge of, hey, this is what the world is like. This is where we're at. Like the surface is actually inhabited. And then also this is how long it's been. 
and hey, these are what golds are, and these are like this is the pyramid. This is how it works. You're a low red. You're not. You're not just a red. You're a low red. He's making distinctions that Darrow. He's making distinctions, realities that Darrow has never had to face or even known about. So like he speaks such volumes to Darrow as that kind of the guide that he needs. Yeah, he just talks a lot about just how much trauma you know Darrow's just gone through and. Um, you know, his cheese has been moved in a big way, so to speak, <laughs> you know, but I kind of see this in this analogy of pin the tail on the donkey, you know, imagine, imagine you're blindfolded and you're, you're spun around until you're dizzy and you're just in this giant room, you know, that, that tail can go virtually anywhere, yeah. you know, Darrow is aimless here and without somebody kind of grabbing your shoulders and, and pushing you at least in the right direction, there's virtually no chance that your tail's going to end up on what well, it probably amounts to like an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper. Yeah. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. Then the second thing I want to talk about with Dancer is that he becomes something so important for us, the readers. He becomes like a world builder. And so Pierce Brown uses him as a device for the readers to kind of fill out the, the rest of the world. Like he explains those same things that he's explained to Daryl. He's also explaining to us. Like it almost feels like how Dancer is almost narrating. Yes, he's narrating it in that scene, that scene that he shows Daryl the surface. There's a bunch of narration that's coming from Dancer, but it actually feels like it's going straight to the reader. So it really feels like he's talking directly at us, saying, hey, like, so yeah, so the world's, uh, here's the world. And it's it's not <laughs> it's not just been um, this little mining colony in Mars. And there's people here and there's like, there's a kid on grav boots floating by. And then, you know, he's like kind of explaining like the gluttony of golds and what they've, how they've kind of used reds uh, as a stepping stone or a stepping stool, just kind of stepped on their backs. And then they created this world. And now uh, here you're, you're watching the benefits of that. And you have that kind of back and forth of Dancer talking to Darrow, intercut, which I love this scene because I love how well it's written, intercut with that kid or that young man flying through on grab boots and then those like group of young girls like chasing him and he's like they're laughing up and they're drinking wine and they just look like they're having the time of their lives and then daryl just feels like this is what i've been toiling for been working for these like these douchebags to like so they can just enjoy this completely carefree life and we had no idea what we had no idea either like right. we we're like we're experiencing that with daryl so dancers becoming that character for us he's just filling out all those big gaps in knowledge that we had, we knew the golds were bad. But I feel like at this point, we're like, holy crap, these guys are like, they're medieval, you know? Yeah. Like, what is that something that you kind of resonates with you when you talk about Dancer as an external storyteller for the readers? I like that Dancer kind of operates as this pivot in the story to this different realm. I mean, before, you know, we're down in the mines and, and, since it's on Mars, it's it's can be kind of classified as a science fiction novel. Yeah. But other than that, it's it's not much. But now it feels really grounded, despite it being science fictiony. It it does. Yeah. But then you kind of fast forward to the to the walk, you know, through the city through Yorkton, and suddenly you're in this cyberpunk world, you know, with with buildings and and just kind of craziness and greens, and and suddenly you're introduced to so many more colors and things. And um, I mean, at the time, you know. You don't see the syndicate, which, but but it's there, you know. Yeah. And, and there's just kind of the seedy underbelly, like Gotham City has, you yeah. know, that I that I, I get the idea cool of York. Yeah, and um, it's just fun because suddenly you just get sucked into that world of of cyberpunk. You're like, oh yeah, like I can see where this story can go in the future now. 
Yeah, and it's only because, yeah, you said Dancer is kind of the one escorting him through that process. Right. I like that scene too because it's weird because you have this moment where, um, you know, Daryl knows so little. He knows so little. So Dancer is kind of telling him like, okay, so this is what it, this is. And like, let's look over here. And it's kind of like he even tells him what the idea of money is because Darrow has no idea what even money is because they've always just exchanged, you know, he says they've just exchanged in goods. And that's been their currency is just like, I will give you like my yo-yo for your zither or I don't, or your cinnamon for whatever, <laughs> you know, from something from the laurel. So I like that because, yeah, he is, he's really a teacher, like first and foremost. Like I, that's why I think of Dancer. Like, yeah, he can be an empire breaker. Yeah, he can be a terrorist. Yeah, he can do all these things. But he kind of fulfills that role, like that Yoda role or that, uh, like, you know, but it, of just being like kind of calm and relaxed and like he's willing to work, willing to mold. He's not like in a rush. And I like that about him. He's never in a rush. He's like willing to be very patient with him. Yeah, he's, he's a, extremely patient. I mean, even, you know, with the card game, I mean, he's ready to exclude Darrow and turn him away. Yeah. You know, and, and I mean, most terrorist organizations aren't going to turn anyone who away who's ready to be yeah. a, a suicide bomber. They're like, great, come on in. But, you know, he wants to kind of check his extrapolational thinking and see if see if it's even going to be a thing that, that is like mutually wanted. Yeah, for sure. Let's go ahead and talk about some of their favorite quotes from Dancer. I think all three of these, yeah, all three of these are Dancer quotes. So let's go ahead and get some. I'll have you read the first one. Now, I can't answer for Aries why he couldn't help a savior girl. I am just one of his hands. I can't wash away the pain. I can't bring your wife back to you. But Darrow, look at me. Look at me, Helldiver. I can't do many things, but I can bring you justice. I like, this is like a cool quote for me. And this is weird. I, I draw something out of this that, I don't know. It's kind of not really, it's kind of strange. But I love this part where he's like, look at me. Look at me, Helldiver. Like demanding that respect and that attention. Because he knows that, kind of knows a few things. He knows that if, Darrow doesn't, he doesn't get a hold of Darrow right then. He's probably going to lose him. He's probably going to go off the rail. So he's demanding his attention. But also, secondly, I think it does show that Dancer has a few sides to him where he can be kind of severe if needed. He is patient, yes. But he is, I mean, in your, in your thinking, he's a terrorist. Like, he can be pretty maniacal. And I think that that's also showing that a little bit. Is there a thing from that quote you like? I, I gravitate toward the same exact thing. I think, hmm. you know, you, you see dancer um kind of operate within the sons of aries you see his relationships with the other members and he's extremely highly respected you know so he has the, like a, a lot of these like almost rampa qualities to him yeah like, like you said he's kind he's patient but at the same time like don't cross him or grandpa's gonna wallop you <laughs> <laughs> would you, do you have something to share about your grandpa right now no. you want to tell us a story no, I'm not that close to my grandfather. Okay. Oh, no, I got sad. Sorry. <laughs> it got sad. I don't want to talk about that. Read, read the second quote. All right. An empire cannot be destroyed from without until it's destroyed from within. Remember that. We're empire breakers, not terrorists. That's what we've been talking about like yeah. since the top. But let me say this. And this is like a big interjection that has no weight to it. But at the same time, it's just my own thinking. I am curious to see if this lesson, this one sentence lesson of an empire cannot be destroyed from without till it's destroyed from within. If this information wasn't imparted to Darrow, what would the story be like? Because I think it's crucial. It's a crucial lesson, not just something that, that Dancer says to Darrow, but it's a lesson within itself to saying, because Darrow employs these strategies, um, you know, in this book and the next book and the third book, and they keep, they keep building off one another. But 
I've just been curious and I've asked myself the question, I've read that quote, what would it have been like if Dancer never told Daryl that? Like that one sentence would have changed anything, would have changed Daryl's thinking or how he, how, how he used tact when he's kind of infiltrating. No, it's a, it's a really good question for what appears to be a pretty surfacey quote. I know, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm not patting myself on the back, but I'm really curious. <laughs> I'm curious. I'm like genuinely curious. No, I mean, he's an infiltrator ultimately in the storyline, you know, and I mean, Yes, they help him initially into the Institute, but the rest of the infiltration that he continues to do throughout the series is, is on his own. Yeah, so they give him, they're giving him tools, and then he's going, okay, so now it's up to you, man. you got to go do this. Like, they can't, they can't be within the Institute, so they have to just kind of give him all the armor they can, and then he does have to carry it out. Go ahead and read that third quote. All right. You're of use because you're more than a weapon. When your wife died, she didn't just give you a vendetta. She gave you her dream. You're its keeper, its maker. So don't be spitting anger and hate. You're not fighting against them, no matter what Harmony says. You're fighting for Eo's dream, for your family that is still alive, your people. This is like that other, well, I said this last week when we talked about Eo. Like you can kind of her like break the chains kind of couple sentences. And I feel like that is like you could kind of encapsulate the entire character in that one simple quote. This is that to me. You're seeing those sides of Dancer that are the most pronounced. Like you're seeing him being corrective. You're seeing him uh, be a teacher. You're seeing him uh, being loving. And you're and he's got he's playing that he's playing by the tail of the donkey in that moment. Because you know I think the lead up to that right is like you know it was like hey, you can, I can be a weapon you can use. Like you know he's being kind of almost really flagrant with his own life. Like kind of thinking of himself as a suicide bomber, like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. And it's like no no no. Like bro, you don't <laughs> get it at all. Like you're not that. Like. You're special, you're valuable, and we need you to be more than just like what, like right there, what's uh, Harmony says, like you're fighting, you know, no matter what Harmony says, you know, like don't listen to her, like listen to me right now, and we're gonna go and we're gonna do this, we're gonna be dream keepers. And I think he's, he's saying that to Daryl specifically, but I think that he really also believes that dream, that EO too, and he's doing that with him. He's like, that moment is a shared moment of we're doing this together, we're not gonna go and just bust heads, crack skulls. We're going to be dream keepers together. And I, I love that about Dancer. Yeah, this is a very meaty quote. Yeah, it is actually. And it's it's a fantastic one. Um, I think he kind of shows EO, you know, as as obviously the catalyst for this, but but almost in like this, almost like in this form of that she's an oxidizer and an explosion, hmm. you know, and after it goes bang, you're like, there's no, no more oxidizer. You're done. You know, that, yeah. that catalyst and the explosion is gone. And of course, like you said, he's saying that that's not you, you know, um, you know, Darrow sees himself as that suicide bomber, as that weapon. And, and he's coming to dancer and saying, Hey, use me. I'm willing, like, let me know the target and yeah. I will sacrifice myself for that, you know, but, but he's really making that transition and the incredibly important one, where he says, you know, you're not a weapon, you're a dream keeper, mm-hmm. you know, and, and kind of, again, kind of grabs his shoulders and, and kind of pushes him in the right direction. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's kind of wrap up quotes, but let's do this one more thing before we take off. I know we started on a silly note, kind of like silly-ish, where we're talking about, you know, the idea. Terrorists are funny. Ter- yeah, terrorists are hilarious. <laughs> no, the idea between dream keepers and terrorists and kind of our, just our personal feelings. We have a kind of another thing that's a little silly that we want to talk about, but it's when they're that same scene you referenced earlier when they're walking through the city walk yeah. and they're, they're of Yorkton, they're in the streets and they're kind of going through, they're seeing different shops and dancers explaining uh, to Daryl what he's seeing. But there's one specific shop that you 
uh, and I both caught that we both want to highlight real quick? Yeah, so, you know, Pierce Brown, especially in the first book, he drops a lot of Easter eggs that are that are really fun. And the, the novel part about the Easter egg here is that a couple greens approach them and offer them a virtual experience, you know, really akin to Ready Player One. Yeah. You know, they, they go away for, it's a month's experience for a week's pay in an hour's time. And you kind of can escape this terrible world, right? This is kind of the, the underbelly, the lower income, lower class kind of people here. And they can, they can go away and just free themselves. They can be who they want to be, a fictitious character. And, and uh, the great part about this is it's Osgiliath yeah. is what they name it as, which is the capital of Gondor in Middle Earth. Right, so this lies on the on this kind of south central Middle Earth, so to speak, yeah. you know, right next to Mordor, actually, uh, but on the Gondor side, and um, you know, that's the novel part of it, right? Is is kind of this idea that they can go be elves or dwarves or, or yeah. something like that, or, or hobbits, and kind of run around and <laughs> date people or what, whatever. <laughs> I don't know whatever you do in Osgiliath, yeah, or whatever you do in these virtual worlds, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, but to me, the more interesting part of this is that. In this world, Tolkien is an actual author. Like yeah. he is a historical figure that that Brown has now written into the story. Yeah. So like it's like it's canon that Tolkien exists in Red Rising and universe. wrote the books. And like wrote the books like a thousand plus years ago. Yeah, for sure. I love that. But also when I caught that, I went back and I, or I got on my computer and I was like, Does Osgiliath exist anywhere else? Could I be mistaking this? It does, according to all internet sources, I can't find Osgiliath anywhere else. So it is, it is, it belongs to Lord of the Rings. Yes. Like that's it. So Lord of the Rings is a shout out to Lord of the Rings and shout out to Pierce Brown for uh, including that. That's kind of fun. And there's a second one, a second other literary reference from a more modern book that we'll find later that we're going to call out to. Yeah, really that fun. one's fun too. So anything else to say about Dancer before we take off? No, I don't have anything. Yeah, I'm good too, man. So until next time, Hail Reaper. Hail Reaper. Thanks to Pierce Brown for writing the beloved Red Rising series. A special thanks to Tim, our engineer and sound designer. Check out his music on Spotify by looking for the link in our podcast description. And thanks to all our contributors who made this show possible. If you enjoy what you hear, please take a moment to rate and review us on your respective podcast platforms. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at Hail Reaper Pod, And you can email us at hailreaperpod at gmail.com. If you'd like to support us, please take a look on our Patreon page patreon.com forward slash hail reaper until next time for my co-host philip i'm jeremy thanks for listening <laughs>